Hi, everybody. My name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team, and I want to greet all of you who are here and those of you joining us by video in Traditions, Gospel Fusion, downtown Fitchburg. Um, and a uh, big shout out to those of you who are watching online and those of you who are listening to our podcast. Uh, to the Chinese speakers in our congregation, to the Spanish speakers, we are starting a new sermon series for the summer. It's called Psalms for the Summer. And we do that quite often here at Blackhawk. We read the book of Psalms. And that's because while most of, the book, most of the books in the Bible, they are about God talking to us, the book of Psalms is about us responding to God. That's right. The book of Psalms is a prayer book. Throughout church history, people pray the book of Psalms. They prayed it regularly. They prayed it all the way through. So today, um, I'm going to start a series by getting us reading and praying Psalm 3. I'm going to walk us through the psalm, and then uh, we're going to spend some time praying it. All right, but before I get going, let me, uh, let me start with a few words about the book of Psalms itself. This is the structure of the book of Psalms. It's, it has five books, so books one through five. Okay. And then there's a two Psalm introduction, and then there's a five Psalm conclusion. The five Psalm conclusion, um, they're called the Hallelujah Psalms. And they're called that because these, those five Psalms, they repeat this phrase, Hallelujah, which is a Hebrew phrase. Uh, hallelujah means it's a command to, hey, praise. And then Yah is God's personal name, Yahweh. So praise Yah. That's what the hallelujah means. And so even just looking at the structure, we're realizing that the book of Psalms is designed as a prayer book to move us toward prayer, to, to worship and worshiping God. All right. Now, now Psalms 1 and 2, they are, they're, they're the foundation, they're the intro, and they're actually not prayers. Okay? They're not prayers. What they are is, is, are the foundational books that tell us what the book of Psalms is actually for. Who is it written for? So... Uh, yeah, Psalm 1 begins with this line that says, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the Torah. Okay, the Hebrew word there for law is Torah. And, and, and in this situation, it doesn't really mean law. It means teaching, okay? So blessed is the one whose delight is in the teaching of Yahweh. When you see the word Lord in all caps, that marks God's personal name, Yahweh. So blessed is the one who, whose delight is in the teaching of Yahweh and who meditates on his law day and night. Now you notice something. It's not about behavior, right? It doesn't say, blessed is the person who does not sin, who does everything right. No, 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 no. It's, it's really about a person who, who, who reads the God's teaching and reading the Bible. And he's like, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to keep reading. This is so good, so good. And God says, oh, that person is blessed. If you're interested in a deeper dive on Psalm 1, I did a sermon on Psalm 1 a couple of years ago. You can find it on our, our website, our sermon resource page. Okay. But if Psalm 1 says, blessed is the person who delights in Yahweh's teaching, that raises the obvious next question, which is, well, what does God teach? And the answer for that is in Psalm 2. You see, Psalm 2 is an encapsulation of the entire story of the Bible. I did a sermon on Psalm 2 as well. You can find that on our website. <laughs> but here's the gist, okay? Psalm 2 teaches something absolutely fascinating. It says that the whole world is at war against Yahweh and his anointed. Check out verse 2 of Psalm 2. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against Yahweh and against his anointed. Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Right? This is war. This is a war of rebellion. 
between the rulers of this world on one side and Yahweh is anointed on the other side. Now the word for anointed here, the Hebrew is Mashiach, from which we get the English word Messiah. And when you translate it into Greek, it becomes Christos, from which we get the word Christ. The world is fighting against Yahweh and his Messiah, his Christ, okay? The, what we're talking about here is the king that God plans to establish over this whole earth, okay? And that's really the story of the Bible. The Bible teaches us that we, we live in a broken, rebellious world, that is rebellion against God, and God is seeking to establish his king, and that king will eventually rule over this earth. And Psalm 2 says, that king is going to win. That king is going to succeed and be victorious. Now, if you know the world is at war between two sides, what's the smart thing to do? Choose the winning side. And that's how Psalm 2 ends. Psalm 2 ends that way, right? It says, okay, the final line says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. That him right there is the Messiah. Right? And who is he? He is the son of God. And you better kiss his son <laughs> because he's going to win. Okay? Now, the repetition of the word blessed reminds us, oh yeah, that's how Psalm 1 begins. Right there, right? Boom, boom. The first verse of Psalm, verse one, Psalm 1 and last verse of Psalm, 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 uh, Psalm 2. Those two repetition means we're supposed to read Psalm 1 and 2 together. So Psalm 1 says, blessed is the person who delights in what Yahweh teaches. And Psalm 2 says, Yahweh teaches the victory of the Messiah. So combining them, blessed is the person who delights in God overcoming, having victory over the powers of this world. And, and blessed are the people who celebrate the exaltation of God's king, his Messiah, his Christ. So if, if, if the idea of God's Christ, God's Messiah, ruling this earth gets you excited, you are blessed. That's Psalm 1 and 2. That's the intro. And it tells us that the book of Psalms, therefore, is, 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 is written for people who have chosen sides in this war. People who have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. And so this is important, okay? The book of Psalms is not some generic prayer book, okay? Just kind of for anything. No, 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 no. It's rooted in the story of the Bible. And then Psalm 3 is the very first prayer of this prayer book, which means understanding Psalm 1 and 2 will help us read Psalm 3. All right, enough intro. Let me get started on Psalm 3. Um, I want to start with this line right here. This is right at the top of your English translation. You'll see it. It's, 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 it's a superscript. And uh, it, it reads like this, a Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Now, this is not a kind of a title that the English uh, editors put in. This is actually part of the Hebrew text. It's actually verse one in Hebrew. It tells us that this psalm is written by a guy named David. Now, David was a king in ancient Israel. He, uh, <coughs> he ruled about a thousand years before the time of Jesus. There are, there are 73 psalms attributed to David in the book of Psalms. He, he wrote a lot. Now, David is one of the most famous people uh, in world history. He's one of those people known just by his first name. You know, like Beyonce, LeBron, <laughs> right? David, right? David, right? David as in David versus Goliath. 
David and Bathsheba, right? David, a multi-talented guy, a, a shepherd, a warrior, a leader, a king, and then like accomplished musician and a poet. Now, now this line over here tells us that, that, that he wrote this particular prayer in a particular time in his life when he was running away from his son Absalom. Well, that's a, wow, that's a story, right? So uh, if you're interested in looking at the story, it's found in 2 Kings. I would recommend starting in chapter 11, okay? Fantastic read, okay? It reads like a royal soap opera, like way, way exciting. And, uh, <laughs> but the story really gets going in chapter 15 where his son Absalom starts a conspiracy to launch a coup against his father to overthrow him. That sounds Shakespearean, doesn't it? Okay. And, and, then, and what happens is then David didn't see it coming, so he and his, his a group of, small group of followers, they run away from Jerusalem, and he's being pursued, he's being chased down. Now, now um, apology for the spoilers, but David does survive, and he eventually uh, triumphs um, because of the loyalty of his followers. All right. And that's the story. So this psalm then is written during that time period. Let's read it. I'm going to read it, okay? Just follow along. Yahweh, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Yahweh, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to Yahweh and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep, I wake again, because Yahweh sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Yahweh, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. From Yahweh comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Now that's David's prayer from a very particular time in his life. But this is also supposed to be our prayer. Now, why do I say that? Because David's prayer got turned into a mizmor, which is the Hebrew word for psalm here. A mizmor is a musical term that says it's a song that is sung to the plucking of a stringed instrument. That's right. This prayer has become a song that is performed at the temple for the, for the, for the ancient Israelites gathering to sing together like the songs we sing on Sunday mornings. Okay. And then after that, that song then is put into this book of Psalms, this prayer book, which means it's now a prayer book for, for God's people, for all Christ's followers to pray this prayer. We're supposed to pray Psalm 3 regularly, which raises an immediate problem. We don't really resonate with, with, with this psalm, do we? I mean, look at verse 1. Yahweh, how many are my foes? I don't know how many. I mean, seriously, right? right? Maybe I should be more paranoid, but I don't know of any. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a king of Israel. It's not like I have I mean, my two daughters rising up against me to overthrow me, uh, that I know of. Uh, <laughs> so how can I pray this? Right? And it's not just Psalm 3. There are a whole bunch of Psalms. When you read through the book of Psalms, there's a whole bunch of Psalms. You're like, that doesn't fit my situation. I, I don't share those sentiments. These Psalms don't really work for us. Right? That happens all the time. Okay? No, no, no. Just, um, uh, I know some of you, 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 you're like, well, maybe you're in a situation where you have people coming after you at work or at school or at home, and you do resonate with this psalm. Okay? That's cool. I mean, that's great. Well, maybe not great, but you, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> but my point is, for most of us, yeah, it doesn't feel like 
this psalm fits our situation, right? It doesn't feel like it fits. It doesn't feel like it's gonna work. Okay. So, what do we do when we run into psalms that we don't want to pray? We skip them. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's like actually kind of like a kind of like a buffet, right? We 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 we. <laughs> We, we, go to the, we go to the Psalms we really like and we gorge on them. You know, you know Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Who created me to clean heart, O God. Oh, we go to our favorites and we just eat those and we skip the ones we don't want. And the book of Psalms then become an 150 dish buffet. And we just, hey, what's your appetite today? That's how we pray the Psalms. So here's the first thing we're gonna learn today. Praying the Psalms we don't resonate with changes us. It changes how we pray. It changes how we see God. It changes how we see the world around us. When we pray the Psalms, not picking and choosing, but praying them in order, the way it's presented, praying them regularly, it stretches us. Our faith deepens. Our relationship with God deepens. I mean, do you see this? Okay. What that means is that when we pray the Psalms, it's designed to be uncomfortable. When we read Psalm 3, we're going, what's this? I, what is, what, I don't get this. Wait, what, what is going on here? That's how it should be. Because when that happens, it, it wakes our mind up. We start to ask questions and we pray like we never prayed before. And in this process, our thoughts, our words, our imagination becomes attuned and aligned with God's. So let's read Psalm 3 again. I'm going to walk through a section by section. I want to help us understand it as first as David's prayer and then as our prayer. And at the very end, we're going to pray together. We're going to get stretched. All right? Yahweh, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. For David, <laughs> look, David's a king. He has enemies. This is not surprising that he has enemies. But here, he's in shock. He is flabbergasted. Why? The enemies are his friends. They're his courtiers. They're his servants. They're people he trusted. And now he sees all of them turning against him. He's like, oh my gosh, Yahweh, I have so many enemies. That's David's cry. Okay. Now, how do we pray this song? How do we pray this verse? I said earlier already that many of us, we don't really resonate with the idea that there are thousands of people trying to kill us. Not our situation, generally speaking. And when we pray that verse, boom, it hits us. And it smacks us out of this haze of our everyday existence. And it attunes us with the story of the Bible. Biblical reality. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's right, we do have enemies. How do we know that? Because we rest on one and two. We know the story of the Bible, right? There's a war going on between the powers of this world against Yahweh and his anointed, and Christ followers, we are people who have chosen sides. We have chosen the side of seeking to establish Yahweh's Messiah's reign over this earth, and the earth is resisting it, the earth doesn't want it, which means the earth sees us as their enemies. Now, who am I talking about? Well, the Bible says that this world is run by spiritual powers. Spiritual powers that are opposed to God and his reign and it sees us as its enemy. This is critical for our self-understanding. 
We have enemies because we have chosen God's side. Do you know that? Do you wake up each day realizing that, hey, you're on one side of a war seeking to reform this world? Do you wake up with that mission and go, hey, I'm supposed to love my neighbors and love Madison and love the people around me and engage with the culture, but what I must not do, I must not let this world reshape and remake me into its image. I cannot do that because I am a Christ follower. And the question I'm always asking, that we're always asking or should be always asking, is how does a follower of Jesus Christ live in a culture, live in a world that is in rebellion against him? always asking that question. And that awareness puts us in a place of tension. We're not feeling at ease. We don't feel at home because it's difficult to always cut against the grain. You will always be counterculture. And so we cry out, Yahweh, how many are my enemies? And that is the first line of the first prayer in this book of prayer for the people of God. We need to be reminded of that every single day. But that cry is not a cry of despair. Verse three. But you, Yahweh, you're a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to Yahweh and he answers me from his holy mountain. David says, hey, you're my shield. You're my, my protection, which makes total sense because he's in physical danger. But you notice he doesn't stay just with physical protection. He goes here. He says, Yahweh is my glory. The Hebrew word there is kavod, and it means glory or honor or status. He says, Yahweh is his glory, is his honor, is his status. He's the one that allows David to walk around with his head held high. Why is David talking about honor and status? Because he lost all of it, <laughs> right? He lost his power. He lost his wealth. He lost the allegiance of his people. He lost the, the loyalty of his followers. He's lost. I mean, his son is trying to kill him, right? From, from the world's perspective, perspective, David is someone who has flown too high, and now he's crashed and burned. But David says, no, no. My honor, my status, my self-esteem, my identity has never been based on what other people think. Oh, no, 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 no. My glory, my honor, my status, my self-esteem has always been based on my relationship with Yahweh. Look at verse four. I call to Yahweh and he answers me. I call to the creator God of the universe and he answers me. Okay, when your cell phone rings, do you pick it up every time? Anybody? <laughs> I, okay, I don't, I feel good. I'm gonna, I was going to say, like, if I'm the only one, I'm not. Okay, I don't, right? Caller ID, right? Unknown caller goes straight to voicemail. But what is something you do know? Well, then it kind of depends, right? Depends on the person. If I'm in a meeting or I'm kind of really busy right now, some people can wait. But there's a short list of people, Serena, the girls, and a few others, that if they call, I will pick up. Doesn't matter where I am, doesn't matter what I'm doing. And David says, I'm on that list with God. And you know what? It's true for us. Every single Christ follower, we're on that list with God. We are people whom when we call, God picks up. 
Now, let me clarify something right now, because some of you are thinking, well, wait, 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 wait. I, I pray, and you know, God doesn't answer my prayer. Okay, so um, let me clarify. God answering does not mean he, he does whatever we ask. I mean, like when, when my daughter calls me, I pick up and I talk. It doesn't mean I do what they, tell me, what they ask me to do. Right? You guys don't do it. I mean, it's good parenting, right? You don't do that. Well, God is a good father. He, is, he loves us. He loves us. He cares about us. He, because he loves us, he will not do everything we ask him to do. Okay? So if you're interested in this topic, we, we have a, a Pastor Chris did a great sermon on the topic of unanswered prayers. So that's available on our website as well. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. All right. David says, ah. okay, first of all, <laughs> David's not getting what he wants, obviously, right? He's in a situation where he's on the run from his son. He's not getting everything he's asking for, but yet he says, I call and God answers. My identity, my glory, my honor, my status begins and ends with my relationship with God. And we want that to be true of us as well. So we want to be a people whose identity is founded on our relationship with God. The world is telling us, hey, here are all the things that you can base your identity on, right? Like work. Well, we just spent a four-week series on work, and the world is telling us, hey, evaluate yourself and other people's worth based on what they do. Or wealth, how much money you have. Or, or, or education, how many degrees you have. Or, 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 or social media, how many followers you have. And reading the psalm and praying the psalm, it's just like, wait a minute. Why are we doing that? We are people who are on God's side. We're on the side that's trying to remake this broken world and bring it under the ring of the Messiah. Why would we base our identity on the values of this world? Why would we do that? The only basis for identity. We are on that list. We call God picks up. We want to be people who can pray, Yahweh, you're my shield. You're my glory. You're my honor. You're my status. You're the person that lifts my head up high. Verse 5. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because Yahweh sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Okay, I, I just love how down to earth David gets. He's talking about not being afraid because Yahweh sustains him. And what's the kind of the signal that he's not afraid? Sleep. David's on the run. His life's in danger, which means there's got to be anxiety. There's got to be fear, right? And, and yeah, David's a leader type, right? You know, his, his brain's got to be thinking. He's got to be thinking about the past. Like, what did I do wrong? What, I, what, what clue did I miss? How did I miss this entire coup launched against me? He's got to be thinking about the past. He's got to be thinking about the future as well, the uncertainty of the future. What's the right move to counter Absalom? What should I do next? He's got to be working on that. But it's not just the circumstances. There's the emotional trauma of being betrayed by the people you love, people who you trusted. He's got to have a bunch of conversations in his head with people who are like, well, how can you do this to me? How can you do this to me? And David says, I sleep good. I sleep good. One of the things I love about this psalm is that it's, it's, it's not rooted in, a, in some kind of an ideal world where everything's peachy king. No, no, no. This psalm is rooted in a world where things going on that makes it very hard for us to sleep. How many of you have problems falling asleep? 
We have a few. We have a few. Some nights I have. I mean, some nights I, I, my mind gets racing and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people in my head. Not pleasantries. <laughs> Having tense, long conversations. Or, or I'm composing emails that I know I will never send. <sighs> yeah, I don't think I'm alone. David says, I can sleep because I because Yahweh sustains me. And when we pray this prayer, we want to be people who can rest because God sustains us. So if you have trouble sleeping, recommend reading, reading Psalm 3 okay, as a prayer before you go to bed. Finally, arise Yahweh. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From Yahweh comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Now, this is a hard part for us. Not so for David. It's easy for David. David's like, man, I'm the rightful king of Israel, and I'm being pushed aside. It's unjust. God's opposed to this. God's going to fix this. So God, it's time to step up and smack some heads and break their teeth. Why? He thinks that because, well, because if him being restored to the throne is a blessing on God's people. Right? It makes perfect sense for David, but it's a much harder prayer for us. And before we even get started about how to pray this, I know there are people listening or who are here, who are watching, and you have been victims of violence and physical abuse. And, and, and even listening to this read out loud, you're feeling a little you know, tense. The idea of praying this is completely out of, out of the question. I just want to acknowledge that and say, hey, at, at this point, if you feel like the need to check your email, tune out for a bit, that's perfectly good. Right? But for the rest of us, um, this is weird, right? I mean, when was the last time you prayed for God to smack somebody on the jaw and break their teeth? Right? We, don't, we, don't, we don't really do that. So, so throughout church history, people who study this, the, the, this psalm, they, they have come up with different ways to pray these verses. And so one of the ways, one, one of the ways is to look at these two verses together to say, hey, it's not talking about smacking just anybody we don't like. It's really focused on, on deliverance of God's people. You see, we're living in a broken world, right? This is a war. And there's persecution against Christ followers and there's oppression of churches. And so what this prayer does is say, hey, we're asking God to move powerfully in this world to establish justice and protection for God's people. That is a good prayer. And people can, you can use these verses to pray that. Go right ahead. However, I, I, I tend to go with a different way, a, a different approach. It's just more personal. Okay, a different approach. It's because when I, when I, when I look at um, these verses, they, um, it seems that approach takes the edge off the prayer. Right? Like, hit them in the jaw, break their teeth, and we turn that into, oh, God, establish justice, right? It feels like it's domesticating it. I mean, it's raw, it's untamed, and now we make it safe for church use. Raw emotions, raw anger, raw desire for vengeance. We don't feel like they belong in church. We don't feel like they, they, they're, they're part of the Bible, Right? We just had a sermon on the mount, and, and, and Jesus says, love your enemies. Right? We don't think it fits. And so we don't bring them up to God. We put them aside. But we do have them, right? Somebody 
say some words that puts me down, and I'm spending the next two hours coming up things I could have said and should have said, and next time I will say, right? Somebody drives like a jerk and cuts me off. I honk at them, they give me the finger. And what I'm thinking in my head is I'm redesigning my car to create a hole with a tube, <laughs> compressed air, it'll shoot darts and will hit their tire and give them the flat instantly. <laughs> you guys don't do this? No. <laughs> Just in my head, right? We have raw emotions. We have raw anger. We have raw desire for vengeance. And Psalm 3 says, pray them. Psalm 3, the very first prayer in the book of prayers for the people of God says, pray them. And it's not just Psalm 3. You will find it all over the place in the book of Psalms. They all say, pray your raw emotions, bring them before God. Now, before I keep going, let me, let, me, let me clarify some things because some of you are getting a little worried about this, okay? So let's just kind of clarify this. Remember what I said earlier, our God is a good father. He doesn't do what we ask, okay? That's really important to remember at this point. When we pray our raw anger, God will not do what we ask, but he will listen and he will respond to us. Okay? So the problem really is, the problem is really is that, the, is that our prayer is holier than we are. We pray sanitized prayers, right? You have this person you really hate. You just can't stand them in, who's in your school or in your, in your, your workplace and your family. And, you, and, and whenever you pray and you, you think of that person, you say things like, oh, God bless them, be with them. And God's like, seriously? <laughs> seriously? Who are you trying to fool here? <sighs> the book of Psalms is full of prayers that are just from the gut. Okay? They're unvarnished, untamed, they're raw. They involve bringing the fullness of who we are into this earthy, dynamic relationship with God where, where, where everything, our brokenness, our darkness, and our goodness is brought before Him. Why would we want to do that? Well, first thing, it's not fake, right? It's authentic, it's genuine. Why would you want to have a fake relationship with God anyway? But second, when we pray our authentic emotions, we are transformed. I, I actually remember this moment, the very first time I prayed my authentic emotion. It was my college year, senior year in college, I was in my apartment, and I remember I punched a wall and I said, God, I am so angry at so-and-so. That's not a direct quote, but we are at church and there are kids here. <laughs> and you know, that was the moment my relationship with God changed. Okay, that was the moment my relationship with God changed. People who are preaching the, and the Psalms and teaching the Psalms, they all say the same thing. When we bring our raw emotions before God, it changes our relationship. Raw emotion, raw thoughts in prayer lies at the heart of an authentic, genuine relationship with God. All right, that's Psalm 3. And I said earlier, we're going to spend some time praying it. Okay, so what's going to happen is I'm going to show a couple of verses on the screen, and I'm going to ask you to read it as prayer. And then go ahead and bow your head and, and, and pray. Pray any way you want to. I'm going to read some prompts. It's on the screen because like, if you feel like, I don't know what to pray, I'm going to throw a couple of prompts as I'm talking. You can go ahead and incorporate that into your prayer. Or not, it's up to you. And then I'm going to end that section with a short prayer, and we're going to do it again for the next section. Okay, so we're going to go through four sections. We're going to pray through Psalm 3. 
All right, if you're ready, let's get started. Um, oh, by the way, just want to pay, pay attention to this, okay? It's an exclamation mark. Use that when you read it, okay? Let's get going. Together now. Yahweh, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Let's bow our heads and pray. And as you're praying, think about where in your life are you experiencing conflict or strong relational tension? Who would you describe, if anyone, as your enemy? Talk to God about it. The psalm reminds us that we are on God's side in this conflict with this rebellious world. Where do you see evidence of that in your life right now? Ask God to help you see the tension more clearly. Yahweh, how many are my foes? Yahweh, we are reminded that we are on one side of this great struggle. We're on your side. And that we are called to love the world around us, but we're called not to live and be of this world. We pray for that. We pray the reminder of that as we go through life, as we ask hard questions on how to live, um, how to live in this world that is broken and rebelling against you. All right, let's go to verse three. Everybody open your eyes. We can read verse three and verse four together. But you, Yahweh, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to Yahweh, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Let us pray. Where do you most often find your identity? Your work, your income, your education, your social media following? Confess those to God and ask him to help you find your identity solely in him. Do you believe that God responds when you pray? Share honestly with God about this. Father, we want to be people who find our identity in you. Help us do that. All right, let's read verse five and six together. I lie down and sleep, I wake again, because Yahweh sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Let us pray. What do you fear? 
What's keeping you up at night? Ask God to help you trust him with those things. Father, we, are, we live in this broken world where there is things that make us lose sleep. We have fears, we have worries. We pray that we can put those on you, knowing that you sustain us, that we become people who can rest. And finally, verse seven, let's read together. Arise, Yahweh, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From Yahweh comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Let's pray. What raw emotions or desires have you been hiding from God? Ask him to give you the courage to bring those things to him. Father, we do pray for justice. We pray for protection of your people. But we also pray that you give us the courage to bring up things that are difficult for us to bring up. Things that are dark, our anger, our hatreds, our desire for making things even. We bring those before you and we pray them because you're a good father. And in doing so, we want to know you better. Um, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for David. Thank you for helping us realign our thoughts and our prayer to fit your kingdom and your mission. And we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen.